Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. We share good news and godly wisdom to empower you to be salt and light in every season of life. Every life experience can become a life lesson that becomes part of a larger message. Listen as Doug shares some challenging experiences that he is sensing are calling him and others to a time of intercession for our nation and the nations of the world. He reminds us to allow God's peace to rule in our hearts, to see us through each day and through every situation. After the episode, consider leaving a review and follow us on your favorite streaming service. If you've gleaned anything from this podcast, consider paying it forward with a gift at somebodycares.org. Now let's join our host, Doug Stringer. Throughout the years, I've sometimes taken my personal experiences and recognized there may be a message of a larger context. I guess I kind of equate it to the Old Testament prophetic drama or the early church where many of the disciples or apostles of the early church actually got messages out of some of their own personal experiences, that the message was more than just about them. It was about a message to the church as a whole. We also see this throughout the Old Testament where some of the prophets, the very personal things they went through actually became part of a larger context or a message for the nation, a message for God's people. Now, obviously, I'm not trying to compare my personal experiences in life to that of the Old Testament prophet or to the early church leaders. What I am saying is every situation we go through, every life experience can become a life lesson that becomes part of a larger message. I guess for me, I try to take circumstances that seem to be difficult or challenging in my life, and I turn it around to where it doesn't become something so internally frustrating or traumatic to me. I try to turn those situations around into intercession for the church at large. So for example, back in 2015, many who followed my situation, I was diagnosed with B-cell lymphoma cancer, 80% aggressive. And yet in the midst of all that, I was in the middle of helping to facilitate prayer gatherings across the country and still doing all the responsibilities of our ministries. Now I realized I could have sat back and had a pity party, began to look at my circumstances, begin to evaluate my life, rather than recognizing that every day is special in the Lord and that I have a greater purpose than the circumstance I'm going through. God's word doesn't change because of the things we go through. So in 2015, I, by the grace of God, prayed, Lord, give me the grace and the ability to continue to fulfill the obligations you've given to me and still begin to see a larger context. So in the middle of all that, some of you remember the story where I was actually in Philadelphia. I had already lost all my hair from chemo and I was up there ministering. And I asked my wife to go with me because I wanted to run the flags of the nations to pray for our nation and pray for the nations of the world. And also, I wanted to run up those Rocky Steps, what we call the Rocky Steps in Philadelphia from the movie Rocky, where Sylvester Stallone, playing Rocky, ran up those steps and did a victory pose. So I wanted to run those flags of the nations, pray and intercede for our country, for the nations of the world, even out of my own personal challenges. I ran up those Rocky Steps, I did my victory pose, and I felt so good I wanted to do it again. You see, in the middle of what I was going through, I realized I could not let my circumstance dictate to me my response, but that I had to keep my eyes fixed and my heart fixed on the Lord, regardless of the circumstances I was facing. For me, I chose to turn it into intercession for the heart of the church. As you've heard me say before, I believe that the heart of any community should be the church. 
But if the church is weak or the heart is weak in the community, then we need a defibrillation. We need a strengthening of the heart if we're going to reach the soul of a community or a city or a nation or a generation. Now, I've often said that everybody's story is different no matter what we go through. But for me, by the grace of God in 2015, by keeping my heart and my eyes focused on the larger context of where we were as a nation or as the church, I prayed, Lord, let what I'm going through right now, this cancer in my body, become a prophetic intercession for the church that really is divided and needs to be united if we're going to reach the soul of our nation and the soul of this generation. And by the grace of God, by the end of 2015, I was told I was in remission, and of course, ultimately, months later, cancer-free. So I was living in a reality of battling something very significant in this battle with cancer. But I could not let the circumstance dictate to me who I knew I was in Christ and Christ in me. And my responsibility, my desire to let his light continue to shine in and through me regardless of my circumstance. People would ask me, how can you continue to minister and pray for people when you're going through what you're going through? And I pondered that thought and I realized if I sat back in my chair and having that pity party, I might as well quit and I lose. But if I keep my mind and my heart focused on the purposes of God and a compassionate heart for people, then I have a purpose greater than my circumstance. And I realize that my circumstance, no matter what they may be, does not dictate to me the truths of God or who God is, because God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Lord, our God, who's our Savior, Healer, Liberator, and Deliverer. He's the one that gives us hope in the midst of our circumstances. He gives us vision of destination through whatever we may be going through. And so I wanted to determine to keep my eyes and my heart and my focus on the Lord. And by the grace of God, the Lord brought me through that. And of course, we continue to pray for so many people today going through their own personal crises and difficulties so we can turn our circumstances into opportunities of intercession or ministries we did not necessarily seek after, but becomes a ministry nonetheless to help bring other people into a place of encouragement and hope through their own circumstances. Anyway, this past Easter Sunday, my wife and I decided we'd never played pickleball before, and some younger friends asked us if we'd like to go play. We said, sure, let's go do it. After all, it's not a contact sport. But on that particular evening, I forgot that I'm 66 years old. I'm not 30 years old. And I have not been doing any agility exercises or running for quite some time. I mostly do stationary bicycle and do a lot of weight training. But that's different than having to get out there and be moving around pretty quickly. So I tried to be a young guy and tried to do a backhand on getting the ball to go back over the net. But instead, my body wouldn't stop, and my face and my head decided to meet the concrete while I was learning to play pickleball. Needless to say, my competitiveness at age 66, and still trying to be 30 years old, got the best of me. The next day, as I was talking to a friend of mine who's a medical doctor in another city, said to me, Doug, it sounds to me like you better get to the emergency room to one of the clinics right away to get some CT scans and some x-rays because of some of the injuries that I was explaining to him I was feeling. And so after the x-rays and the CT scans, the clinic actually told me that I probably need to see an ENT doctor because I have some broken bones or fractures in my cheek and on the side of my head and my forehead near my eye. And they also mentioned something about the possibility of me needing some plastic surgery as well. So after I left the emergency room clinic on that Monday, I called another doctor friend of mine who's also an ENT doctor who has some clinics in some rural communities in Texas. 
he and my friend from Corpus Christi, who's that medical doctor and ER doctor, they both talked to me and said, why don't you send us those electronic scans and x-rays and let us take a look at it. So they looked at the results of the scans and both said, I probably need to immediately get on some antibiotics because the sinuses could cause leaks or air pockets within those areas of fractures. So praise the Lord for praying friends and medical doctor friends too. Now they both did recommend that I probably see an ENT surgeon as soon as possible about the fractures in my face and my forehead. Now praise the Lord, when I went on that Tuesday to meet with the surgeon, he felt that the fractures would heal on their own and didn't think I would need any surgery. Praise the Lord for that. In a bit of nervous humor, I told my wife, I guess that gives a whole new meaning to being hard-headed after all. Now seriously though, we truly believe the prayers and the counsel that the Lord, our great physician, intervened on my behalf. Though I'm still in some pain and discomfort, swollen face and eye, a few headaches, and some difficulty eating at times without causing pain near my eye and forehead, I'm actually doing pretty well. In fact, the good news is I was jokingly again saying to my wife, I guess I can do more juicing and eat less and maybe lose some weight in the process. I don't think she thought it was as funny as I thought it was. Getting back to those original CT scans and the x-rays of my chest, a doctor friend of mine did say to me he thought that it might be good for me to do a follow-up CT scan for my chest and thorax area. After looking at those original CT scans and x-rays of my chest as well, he said not to be alarming, but your thoracic aorta looked a little prominent to me, and he said that could indicate an early aortic aneurysm, and a CT scan of your chest would help to indicate that or not, and if you need a follow-up. So just for caution's sake, we did schedule another scan of my chest and thorax the following Friday. Interestingly, we did get a follow-up call from the doctor, and he said that the report did show a mild fusiform aneurysmal dilation of the ascending thoracic aorta. Wow, that's a lot to say there. He just said, look, I think you should probably follow up with it. Nothing to be alarmed about, nothing urgent right now, but it's something you should probably think about following up on. Now, getting back to the good news that I find in all of this, and to I originally began to talk about prophetic drama or the message of a larger context early in this podcast, the good news is this. I began to get some prophetic downloads, as you might call them. My fall on my head and face and the injuries that came from that actually exposed the possible mild ascending aortic aneurysm. So the Lord is allowing some things in the church, I believe, to happen to expose and address the issues of the heart in us as the church individually and corporately. Now, obviously, I take it very seriously in my personal health, taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit, but I also recognize the importance of how God can call me to intercede and to pray and to address the issues of the heart that we're all going through. There are such traumatic things going on in the world today. Our hearts can become overwhelmed. You've heard me speak on that in the past and how even the disciples, when Jesus said, tarry here for an hour, and Jesus went to pray and he came back and they were asleep from sorrow. The inference is their hearts were overwhelmed. They're exhausted. They're overwhelmed with stress and anxiety. And here they were falling asleep. Many people respond differently, but some people out of stress begin to shut down. When we go through trauma or stress or difficulties, we tend to shut down or harden our hearts or close our hearts off. And I believe this is an opportunity for me to pray and intercede, not just for myself, but praying for the church as a whole, that we would not have our hearts hardened, but that our hearts would be open for God to do a work He wants to do so we can reach the soul of our communities, the soul of our nation, 
and the soul of a generation. In fact, I began to think about a message that I received the latter part of 2022, and I shared in a podcast early in the year of 2023, and that was about exposure, that God was going to begin to expose things that were hidden. And I began to realize that this is what's happening here, that in some ways, God was exposing what was happening in my body and this potential aortic aneurysm or this ascending aortic aneurysm. And God allowed other situations, not that God did them, but he took those situations meant for harm and turned it to expose what could be harmful in my own heart. Now, before I tie this all together, let me explain what is an ascending aortic aneurysm. It's a bulging area in the first part of the aorta, the main artery to your body. An aneurysm is a weak spot in a blood vessel wall. Aneurysms can tear or rupture, break open, and cause severe, life-threatening internal bleeding. And these aneurysms are also called ascending thoracic aortic aneurysms, or ATAAs. So obviously, out of curiosity, I wanted to find out what these ATAAs were and what causes them. So here's some conditions that I read about. It's an inflammation of the aorta. It can be plaque buildup inside the arteries. It can be the result of some traumatic injuries that cause some tears in the artery wall. It can be a combination of other types of things or symptoms that cause an ascending thoracic aortic aneurysm. Interestingly, I read also that most people that have ATAAs don't even experience any symptoms. And since many people don't even realize they have symptoms, it can be hard to diagnose. So they're often detected by chance during an exam for another health condition. That's exactly what happened with me. If your healthcare provider discovers an aneurysm, they may use a variety of imaging tests to learn more about it. So now enough of me talking about the medical side of what I've been going through. I want to look at the prophetic drama here. I want to look at the larger context of the message. The life lessons I want to learn from moments like this and how I can be interceding Because I recognize many people are going through anxiety and stress. And I immediately go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And I love this scripture. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say in verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. John 14 verse 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, I know this is in the context of Jesus speaking about himself being the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. He's talking about preparing a mansion, preparing a place for all of us. I understand that. But in this particular context, I realize God is also speaking to all of us. Don't let our hearts be troubled. Don't be full of anxiety. Don't be full of stress. Because if we believe in God, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he says that we come through him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, in one of my books I wrote years ago, 
I said, Jesus is the way out of our past, the way out of our Egypt. He's the truth at Mount Sinai in our desert times, and he's the life in the promised land. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way out of our circumstances. He's the way through our circumstances. And in fact, he's the truth in our circumstance. He is the truth in the midst of our desert times, in the midst of our wilderness. And that place of truth, when we receive the truth, the truth sets us free. He's the way out. He's the truth in, and he's the way to our promises and the promises of God over our lives. So as I continue to pray for us as the body of Christ, and I posted on social media last week that in the midst of our divisiveness, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of how scattered we can be at times, Jesus loves his church. He gave himself for our brokenness. He gave himself for our places of pain and challenges and hurts. As broken as we can be at times, The Lord loves us. He loves his body. He loves his church. We may give up on each other. We may sometimes shoot the wounded, as the song used to say. But at the same time, we are a people God's called to love him, to love one another, to be an example to the world of the light of Christ. As Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free, and be no longer entangled in the yokes of bondage. In God's great and abounding and amazing grace, He's exposing our hardness of heart. He's exposing our stubbornness. He's exposing our hard heads. So He can then begin to do a work on our hearts to get our hearts healthy again. Because if we have weak hearts, how can we reach the soul of our generation? God wants us to have hearts of God in us. He wants us to have not hearts of stone, but hearts of flesh. He wants to do a work in us so he can do work through us. I love this scripture in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 17, speaking of the character of the new man. Remember, scripture says that we have become one new man, that we who were separated from God in our sin, then the one man Jesus came and gave himself for us that we could become new creatures in Christ or new man in Christ. And together as the body of Christ, we become one new man. No more dividing walls between us. No more all the divisions that we've got so much more in common than we have that should divide us. Recently, as I was speaking at and being a master of ceremonies for the March of Remembrance Walk and also for the Holocaust Remembrance Association gathering, I shared about Micah chapter 4. There will come a day that all people will be gathered at the mountain of the Lord and we put aside our weapons of warfare against each other and turn them into harvesting tools together. And from that, the outcast, the lame, the sick, the poor, the hurting would become a strong nation. Now we know contextually it's talking about Israel. It's talking about Zion. But as believers in Christ who've been grafted in, it's talking about the church also, that we should not let weapons of warfare keep us divided, but we recognize we're part of something bigger or greater than ourselves. We get along together, not because of our past, not because of our ethnicity, not because of our political persuasion, not because of where we were born. It's because we have a commonality at the centrality of the cross. Because of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection, we've been brought into this beautiful kingdom, the kingdom of our Lord. We have this privilege and honor of loving him, being loved by him, and representing him as ambassadors of Christ to a world that desperately needs the light of Christ. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 17, I'll conclude with this and in prayer about the character of the new man. Therefore, as the elective God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long suffering, 
bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must forgive. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now, let me pause for a second, because I grew up understanding that the peace of God that surpasses all human comprehension should guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus, right? But at the same time, this particular scripture I'm reminded of when it says that the peace of God rule in your hearts means to coach, umpire. There's a guideline by which we allow the word of God, the character, nature, and word of God begins to do a work in our hearts. It makes us palatable to him and not hearts of stone. Above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, And let the peace of God umpire, guide, rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him." while singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. There's something about a joyful heart, something about peace that surpasses human comprehension, the peace of God that guides and rules and umpires our hearts and lives. When we open our hearts, the scripture says very clearly that we should guard our hearts and minds because in our hearts flows the issues of life. If we harden our hearts and becomes like hearts of stone, it inhibits God's free flow, the mercy seat of God and the grace of God. Because the scripture says in Genesis to Revelation that where the rivers of God flow from the throne of grace and the mercy seat of God, it brings healing everywhere it goes in and through us. Oh, may the God's healing rivers flow. May we have the heart of the Lord and not the heart of the flesh. May we have the heart of God for the people around us, the world around us. It is a time right now to get past our stubbornness, our hard-headedness. And get to the place of allowing the Lord to expose the issues of our heart so we can get back to our first love, to that place of being totally sold out for the Lord and saying, God, I'm nothing without you. There is nothing without you. And let me close in one of the ways I pray every morning and every night. Father, in the name of Jesus, I recognize I'm nothing without you. There is nothing without you, Lord. I pray that you're glorified in all that I do say and think. And I pray for a right spirit, a clean heart, a sharp, stable, and sound mind. God, do a work in me that you can do a work through me. And help me, Lord, to get past myself. Because I know, just like with A.W. Tozier when he said, Self is the opaque veil that hides the face of God from us. God, I need your presence. I want to see you face to face. I want to be an ambassador for Christ. I want to represent you well and be the minister of reconciliation, the minister of truth that you've called me to be. And I recognize I can't do that in my strength. I can't do that in my own wisdom. I can't do that in my flesh. I need the great and abounding and amazing grace of God to work in and through me. Lord, I pray because you're not just my Savior. You're my Savior, my healer, my deliverer, my liberator, my provider. You're all these things, my protector. And so, Lord, I pray that you will continue to heal me spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, relationally, in every way. And be my deliverer. Deliverer from my enemies. Deliverer from external 
challenges and internal conflicts, deliver from the lies of the enemy. Help me to pull down vain imaginations that exalt itself against the knowledge of truth and the knowledge of God. God, for you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life, and in you I find life. So God, help me to recognize that you're in every situation. You're the way out of my past, but you're the truth in my wilderness, and you are the promise in the land where you're taking me. Help us, Lord, to be what you've called us to be. We, your church, your body that you gave yourself for, that we would get a fresh revelation of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.